You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and with me is Ben Stegner. How are you doing, Ben? That's me. I'm doing well. I was going to say coming to you live with a new headset because I have a new headset this week, um, but it's not actually being used in any way uh, other than me hearing what you're saying. So okay. you're coming to me live through a new headset, but the uh, so. microphone's still good old, good old faithful. So changes there. <laughs> uh, yeah. How are you doing? Are you all right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Doing okay. Um, good weekend. Nothing too exciting. I'm trying to think of it. Yeah, it's May. Hard to believe that. Yeah. Um, May the 1st. Um, listen, we're here, as you probably noticed from the title of this week's podcast. Um, this is a look at money making, a money making special, if you like, um, exploring the possibilities and the eventualities, and ultimately, I guess, the realities of whether it is possible to make money online. Now, um, you know, the, the answer is the be- the easy answer is yes, it is. Well, it's not particularly easy, is it? Not particularly easy, and there's a lot of pitfalls, I would say. Yeah. So, and also the def like, yes, you can make money in the sense of you can maybe earn a few dollars, um, but whether it's at all worth your time or even works out to be minimum wage, that's a very different question. Yeah, um, a, a lot of things in life, you know, we put a bit of effort in and get paid for it, and you don't want the amount of effort that you put into it to have a relatively uh low sort of comeback return do you so uh, we're going to be looking at a few different things here uh, the, the one that's piqued my interest the most and it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing because it's something that a lot of people want to do a lot of people have expressed interest in doing i thought i might do this once upon a time or an aspect of this um and that's to how to make money playing video games isn't it ben yeah, it's definitely more possible now than if I would have written this maybe 10 years ago or something. It would be a whole different world. But um, you definitely can. But like all the stuff we are talking about earlier, it's definitely uh, tricky and there's a lot of pitfalls. So um, how about I go through this guide here about uh, seven possible ways to make money okay. playing games. And you can you can let me know what you think. Yeah, as sure. As I go through each of them. As you go. Okay. Okay, so the, the first one is getting paid to live stream games. So basically this would be um, you would join Twitch. There's other platforms, but Twitch is the biggest one and uh, play games for people. Um, you'll either build a large audience. So you make money from people watching ads or you build a smaller but loyal audience. So people donate to you, subscribe to you, that kind of thing. Um, this is an option because all you really need to get started is uh, a decent computer, games, um, a personality, and then streaming software, microphone, and, and free software, that kind of thing. Um, but it is tricky because obviously Twitch is super uh, saturated. There's a lot of people playing popular games, a lot of people playing not so popular games. So the, the difficulty here is why should someone watch you instead of the yeah. hundreds of thousands of other people on the platform? Um, so low barrier to entry, but very difficult to see any real money from. I, I, um, I've, I've messed around with streaming in the past. I just never really, um, something that has done particularly, um, it's something that I've been able to sort of generate particular interest f- from, I guess, really, um, 
because that you know that whole mechanics of how you're actually going to stream it, whether you're going to be on camera yourself or not, um, all that sort of thing, isn't there really? So it's, 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 there's more to it than just streaming what you're playing. There's also yeah, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things we could talk about here. I don't want to get too into the weeds, sure, sure. but yeah, it's yeah, it's with with you know if you're on camera, you have to have like a a personality there. Um, you also have to think about how often you stream. Um, you have to think about uh, like your schedule. Your schedule in the sense that like if you're playing a game, some people are variety streamers. So maybe you just like pick different games you played in your childhood and you relive them with people. Maybe you pick like a multiplayer game and you just play that all the time. You kind of have to decide that. Um, but yeah, unless you already have, I think a lot of people find success streaming because they already have an audience from elsewhere. So like if you're an Instagram maybe not star but if you have a following on instagram or maybe if you have some success on youtube and you move to streaming you kind of have a built-in audience but just to say i'm going to be the next big uh, world of warcraft streamer or whatever that's very very difficult so easy to try hard to make some money from Uh, so we'll move to number two uh trying your hand at games journalism so this is fairly self-explanatory this would be either you Start your own site uh, or you uh, join an existing site uh, and get paid likely as a freelancer to write for that site. Um, if you write your own, if you start your own site, you could get paid via ads or subscriptions from Patreon or that kind of thing. Um, sort of like with streaming and, and a common theme you'll see here is that this is very competitive. So a lot of people want to write about games for a living. So obviously building your own site up from scratch is very difficult. and You have to manage the site in addition to writing. So it's a lot of uh, a lot to do up front. Uh, joining another site, again, a lot of competition. Um, you might have to do something that's kind of low level for the site. So um, write, write on games you don't want to talk about, mobile games, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, definitely tricky, can do it, but there's just a lot of noise out there. So you ideally have a body of work that it's already existing. So if you apply to like a mid-level gaming site, you can show that you have experience. I think we've all had fantasies of being a games journalist, haven't we? I wanted to be a games journalist in like 1990. Um, it seemed like the best gig in the world, playing games and then writing a few words about it every month. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, I love games as I've talked about many times on this show and it is fun. I have a little bit of experience. I would, I would never say I've been like a full blown games journalist, but, um, for make use of in the past, I've written some reviews and tips and tricks guides on new games. And then I also had a short stint for Nintendo life years ago where I did. Did you? Same. Yeah, I did. For I reviews didn't know and, that. Uh, yeah, but like the reality of it is so at the time for Nintendo life, I was mostly writing reviews of like extremely bottom of the barrel, uh, Wii U and 3ds eShop games that were just, I mean, not shouldn't even have been on the platform, like shovelware oh. junk. Um, so that was mostly what I was doing. I did a couple guides for like newer, uh, like when Pokemon sun and moon came out, I did a tips and tricks article. Um, when dragon quest, uh, seven, I think was re-released on 3ds. I did an, an article on that too. So, um, it is fun, but there, there's something very different about playing a game to write about it versus just playing it and enjoying it. Um, and I think yeah. anyone who really loves games, you'll kind of fall into that. Like you're playing the game to analyze it, not just to soak it in. So it's, it's different. Um, get to have a, a, a certain skill set for sure. Sure. So what else can you do? All right, so number three is creating video game guides and tutorials. Um, This would be generally either um, creating like a YouTube guide where you do something people are looking for, whether it's, you know, how to get a trophy or an achievement in a game, how to beat a tough boss, um, the best way to play X character in a multiplayer game, that kind of thing. Um, 
There's also options where you can write guides for sites like GameFAQs or even maybe publish your guides as an ebook where you mm -hmm. would make money from uh, sales uh, versus the ad revenue you make on YouTube. Um, the problem with this is that uh, game guides need to be comprehensive and you need to set yourself apart uh, for something, you know, like a new character comes out in Overwatch, for example, and you have a guide on YouTube. You have to set yourself apart from all the other existing guides. Um, and writing a guide for a game is extremely, extremely time-consuming. Uh, one of the examples I give in the article is uh, GameFAQs, which is a long-time game walkthrough site. Uh, they used to have a bounty program that I think it, it's still – the page is available, but there's no bounties right now – where they say, hey, we want guides for these games. Um, so at the time I took this screenshot – uh, if you wrote up a guide for Resident Evil Village, you would get $500, which sounds awesome. But then you think about the time that it would take you to play the game multiple times to play it enough to write about it. You know, imagine yeah. saying like, after you pick up this item, go here and do that. Like that's extremely tedious. So you'd be, it'd be amazing if you made minimum wage from that. And yeah, that would totally. be probably too high. So I would not recommend this. It's just extremely tedious unless you have a drive to write a guide anyway this is not uh, a fun time i have a couple of credits in this area and i would recommend um not doing it unless you really really love the game and you don't mind just exploring and so solving particular problems or exploring particular characters or whatever the type of game is that you're doing um i the, the return isn't probably no, I mean, the, ret the return isn't worth it. Looking at the figures now, they're pretty much the same as they were 10, 15 years ago. So, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to have the option of doing it, but I, it's probably not something that you would do repeatedly, put it that way. Yeah, I think you'd probably get sick of it after your first time. Yeah, It could be fun for a shorter game, but then there's probably not much uh, interest in shorter games. Um, you know, like, like a small indie game, that kind of thing. And that's just, yeah, it's just so much work. I can't even fathom. Even when you look at guides that were written on GameFAQs, you know, 15 years ago for N64 games or whatever, it must have taken them. It's very, very uh, comprehensive. It must have taken people just hundreds of hours to write that up. So not a good way to make actual money online. Uh, moving on, next is uh, hosting a gaming podcast or a YouTube channel. Um, so in this setup, you would make some kind of uh, weekly, daily, monthly, whatever you wanted to do show related to gaming. The possibilities are pretty open here. You could do a roundtable discussion with friends. You could do interviews with people. You could give tips for a game, talk about the history of a genre, something like that. Um, similar to the other things we've talked about, you can monetize this with ads or subscriptions. Um, Patreon is, is an option here. Uh, this is tricky because, like with Twitch, you need a um, you need a personality that people want to listen to. You need interesting things to say. You need good production quality that doesn't turn people away. And that way, it's kind of a hybrid between writing a guide and a live stream. So you mm -hmm. need the knowledge of writing a guide plus the charisma of writing a live stream. So this is also one where you have to do it regularly. So if you start a podcast, people need to know, okay, there's new episodes every Friday yeah. or whatever to yeah. look forward to. So low barrier to entry, but again, a, a very heavy saturated market. Okay. Um, I don't have an awful lot to add to that one at present. I'm actually in the process of talking to some people about starting a retro gaming podcast. So, uh, well, okay. Uh, so you be taking some of the advice on the guide then. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> You can you can give you can give me credit when you hit it big. Well, maybe I'll invite you on yeah. one day. Who knows? Oh, I could do that too. <laughs> okay, is there any other options? 
Yeah, there are. Yeah, so the last couple ones we'll go through here. Uh, one is to become a professional gamer through uh, tournaments and esports. Um, this one, again, is probably not really within the realm of most people's ability. Um, esports is kind of a new uh, field, if you will, and there's a lot of just scams and con artists that are, you know, hey, you can come play for my team, and then you never get paid, or you get paid in exposure, that kind of that kind of stuff. So, um, if you're good enough to be really, really, really good at a game, you can maybe go to a tournament where there's cash winnings. But if you have to fly there and book a hotel, you know, you could lose in the first round and then leave with nothing, and you had to pay for your trip and all that kind of thing. So, um, if you're really, really good at a specific game, might be worth looking into. But like everything else, if you're not already top of, top of the line at a game probably not worth the time that you would put in. Um, streaming is probably a better option here because even if you're not the best at a game, you can still be pretty good and have people want to watch you for other reasons. The whole esports thing absolutely baffles me. Not that it's it happens. Because it, I, I kind of saw it coming and then it sort of went away for a bit. So back in the 90s, there was a TV show in the UK called uh, Games Master. And okay. each edition, you can watch them on YouTube, each edition would feature um, two people, usually two people, uh, playing a game on a big screen, and then it was broadcast as well. Um, and it was in front of a live studio audience. And it was it was kind of like cult viewing for anyone, sort of like my generation, um, my sort of age at the time as well, so like 13, 14, 15, uh, maybe a bit older. And it was on a certain time, and it was on a sort of... what. Um, was considered or what was then considered to be a niche uh, broadcaster uh, channel four uh, so like 6 p.m on the night so like uh it was and like that aspect i mean the main reason you watched it was to to watch that competing element of it and i thought to myself this would be brilliant i would love to do this there's like half a dozen games i could possibly be a champion at and um and, and it was like that's it it's, it's gone there's no one's doing this sort of thing for like 10, 15 years or so. And then I found out basically because it had fallen out of the public consciousness that this was possible. It actually turned out certain competitions were still going on. So like even to this day, there are sensible soccer World Cups and kickoff World Cups, which are both football games. Um, and there are other, t- I mean, as, as Ben said, there's huge tournaments now, esports, massive fighting games, PvP titles, tournaments, what have you. And... I, if there, because there was no internet really, I didn't know these things. I mean, obviously there was an internet, and there was there was a sort of a very early version of the web. But generally speaking, these things weren't at the forefront as they were at that small period of time during the, the run the course of this show. So uh, yeah, I missed out there. I always feel. Yeah, I thought the same thing with even like um, like MKBHD is for an example. Like him, we're basically the same age and. I feel like if I would have had like some recording equipment, I could have potentially done something like he did at the time, you know, because yeah. we're like almost the exact same age. I mean, he knows more than I do and he's a better personality than me, obviously. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm not like saying, oh, I should, should have been me kind of thing. But like you, you kind of like, like you're saying about the show, you kind of th- just let your mind run and think, you know, if I would have been at the right place at the right time sort of thing. It is interesting to think about, but. Yeah, that's interesting that existed all the way back then. I mean, that was probably more of like a, like you said, a very niche interest because games weren't as mainstream at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What about testing games? Can you make money from that? Yeah, testing games. We've got a couple more here. Um, Yeah, this is basically just what it sounds like. So every game needs to be play tested before it comes out. Uh, Find bugs, see what's working, uh, see what's not working, that kind of thing. Um, So 
it's not too difficult to become this in theory, but uh, this job can also be really mind-numbing. Um, you have to probably play the same parts of the game over and over and over again, playing to intentionally try to break the game by like finding glitches or playing like you're a person that doesn't know what they're doing, that kind of thing. That can get really boring quickly. Um, and also you're probably not going to get into a job with a big studio right away. So you'll probably be play testing like mobile games or games that don't really interest you. Mm. Um, so this is kind of foot in the door in a company type of job. Um, it, it, it depends if you're really interested in trying to break games and that sort of thing, it could work for you. But again, a lot of these positions are not going to be very exciting early on. Um, there are on-demand playtesting services. Uh, we link a few of them in the article, Playtest Cloud and Beta Family are two of them um, that you can like join up and try ad hoc on your own. So maybe try those before you uh, pursue a job in the field. A few years ago, I worked for a software company and I thought it might be interesting to try um, see, see what it's like to test their software rather than support their software. Um, okay. and everyone says, oh no, that's really boring. So I gave it a go for an afternoon and my God, was it boring? It's like just probing it from every possible angle and trying to well, find it was, a weakness. And it was, it was the UI mainly that I was, um, asked to try and break, um, okay. clicking things in the wrong place, right clicking things weren't supposed to be right clicked. So I'm clicking and trying to drag buttons that should not have been clickable and draggable, that sort of thing. And yeah, it's really boring tedious work it is yeah a lot of the as you're finding and this this last one is the same way um a lot of these things are just very manual work and you're that's what we're stressing too is that we're not you're not making it's like this is your new job where you're making a respectable wage you're you know you're making money but at what cost yeah um and our last one falls under that too so the final the final method um is selling accounts or digital items so you might have heard of this referred to as like gold farming in, in the old days um so in this method, you earn digital items like Steam trading cards or even just your account, period, and then you resell it uh, to somebody else. So, uh, for example, like in, in Overwatch 2, I know I talk about Overwatch a lot, but it's my main competitive game that I know. Um, you have to reach a certain level and win a certain number of games to play the competitive mode. And a lot of people use what's called a Smurf account, which is when they have a second account that's ranked lower than their actual skill so they can play with people who aren't as good. It's scummy, but people do it. Um, so someone who wants to do that probably doesn't want to grind through winning all the games they have to win on a new account. So they might pay people and say, hey, I'll buy your account for $100 because I want to Smurf and don't want to spend the time on it, that sort of thing. Um, or you can earn other in-game items and then sell your account or sell those items to people that want them. A lot of games like CSGO have like in-game economies like this where people want items in the game and they'll pay real world money for it. Um, again, like common problem we've seen here, almost all these methods take a ton of time if you don't already have these items, it's going to take you forever to get them as they're rare. And it's just not very exciting to, to do. And also a lot of the time, this is against the rules of a game. So you could get your account banned and then all your work would be for not. And you're kind of often doing something sort of scummy too, like we said with the Smurf account. So um, if you play a game that has this kind of economy and it's encouraged to sell actual items in the game, take a look. But otherwise, um, this is another one that's just kind of a long shot, I would say. I know of, I mean, I know one person and I know he or she, because it's very uh, anonymous, is not alone in having done this in second life, creating um, assets that can then be sold skins and uh, costumes and 
items that can be placed in landscapes and stuff like that. And I think there was, um, for a time, I don't know if it's still a thing now, uh, when I played The Sims and The Sims 2, it was also possible to buy things in those uh, worlds as well. So there's a bit more to it than uh, Ben explains there. But again, I mean... Some of those things can be like sold repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. So, I mean, if the effort that you put into that, that can get quite a good return if it's like if it's the same object selling repeatedly. But if it's some of the things that Ben explains there, which are more common these days, then they probably don't return that well. And of course, things like Second Life and older versions of The Sims, or even The Sims itself, Sims 4 is now free. So, I don't think as many people play those types of games as used to. Or if they do, it's only not a a, a sizable proportion of the gaming available gamers that that it was if you know what i mean sure sure so i would say in summary my take on this would be um just think about if you want to make money playing games with one of these methods these aren't the only ones but they're the most common and broad think about the fact that uh, this is something i always say when it takes like time to do something value your time at least as much as minimum wage if not far more because your time's worth way more than that but if you think about, okay, if I write this guide, I'll earn $500 and it takes you 500 hours to write the guide. That's a bit extreme, but you know, even 200 hours to write the guide. Okay. So you're making $4 an hour, whatever, like that's not worth your time. Obviously Um, you could do something else with your time, whether even if it was just learning to play an instrument or something that would bring you value, like that's way more valuable than, you know, working for pennies on the dollar uh, to do something with games. So just think about your time, how much it takes if you're building a skill um, and if it's something that's expandable or if it's a, a crowded market like we talked about. So it is possible, but just a lot of asterisks on that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to move on to another potential way that you can make money online. And this is with a 3D printer. Now, they're not items that every household has obviously but they also can be expensive and most of them are quite expensive so there are some reasons why you might wish to make a bit of money with a 3d printer if only to uh, contribute to uh, starting to uh, you know make some money back so um, here's a list of ways that you can make money with a 3d printer i'm going to go through them relatively quickly and then we'll have a little chat about this at the end so number one is simply start a 3d printing service as i said not many people have 3d printers but um you may find that even if you own a 3d printer you don't actually do that much 3d printing compared to you know other activities or even using a dot matrix printer dot matrix printer hark at him um <laughs> mr from the past there or you know just pay, printing on the paper so um if you open uh, the option to other people using your printer, maybe selling you the, uh, sending you the uh, design files and then printing them out on their behalf, then that, that's a way that you can make some money. Another way is to 3D print and make your own products, find some sort of niche market, perhaps um, rings or jewellery, uh, maybe uh, gaming pieces. Uh, find a niche market, invest in a good printer, create detailed designs, and be careful with pricing your products to factor in the cost of materials printer and the time it takes. Uh, you might sell and rent 3D printers. Uh, renting out one that you already own, that's a good option. Uh, number five in our list is uh, offering 3D design services for 3D printing projects. So you're not actually printing yourself or even using your printer, uh, but you are offering designs to people that they may then print out. On, on another angle, 
is to teach 3D printing. Use your 3D printer to demonstrate how it's done. Teach people how to use a 3D printer. The great thing about 3D printers these days is that they generally don't need to be connected to any other device because everything that you need is actually there on the 3D printer. All the controls, uh, user interface and everything. And they've typically got an SD card slot as well so you can just load things up, uh, load the STL files up from the card and print them out. Uh, 3D scanning is another opportunity as is prototyping, uh, creating 3D prototypes of products for companies uh, where you know they get a representation of the product that they're planning before it goes to manufacture, finds weak points, issues, uh, usability problems, that sort of thing. Uh, you might start a 3D printing blog, a blog about 3D printing. Uh, setting up a blog is simple, it's free. There's many different uh, opportunities there uh, for free hosting uh, for, for example, WordPress.com, just one of many. And you could offer your 3D printing knowledge as a consulting service to uh, anyone who requires it. Businesses, companies, even magazines looking for 3D printing writers. Uh, 3D printing is a bit of a niche thing in itself, Ben, but it's, it's interesting to see that there's so many opportunities, or potential opportunities for uh, an expert in the field to um, do quite well with it. Yeah, I think so as well. I'm not really familiar with it at all. So I would uh, be trusting your judgment on this and you know much more about it than me. But I think the uh, the service one sticks out to me the most, like sort of almost like uh, renting your car out when you're not using it. You know, the apps let you do that, that sort of thing. Like if I wanted to get something 3D printed rather than buying one myself, if I'm not going to use it all the time, it would make yeah. more sense to just pay someone to use theirs, you know, the materials plus a fee for using using their item and then I have it and don't have to go buy it or rent one from a store or however that would work. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where because not many people have them, you can use it to your advantage to give people something they want from them. So, yeah, I think I think it's uh, some useful stuff. I've really even – there was a guy on the floor below me in college who had a 3D printer, and I don't actually think I've seen one in person since then. I have very Ooh. little experience with them. Well – I, I was going to say the first time I had any interaction with a, th with a 3D printer was um, I actually required some 3D printing for a Raspberry Pi project, which I think uh, I may have written about on Make Use Of. And it's basically a way of making a sort of a tablet with a Raspberry Pi and the Raspberry Pi's official display, touchscreen display, which is a seven-inch display, I think it is. Um, and there's a way of sort of mounting them together into a single unit. Now, Naturally, it wasn't flat as you would like it to be with it being a Raspberry Pi. Um, you know, there's a sort of a bulky bit at the back where the Pi sits. But uh, I s downloaded the STL files from the recommended location. Then I uh, uploaded them to the website of a business relatively local to me that did 3D printing. And they turned it around within a week. And that includes me uploading, paying, then printing it and dispatching it to me. It was just a few days. So I think that's a really good opportunity for anyone. But also, if you've got a 3D printer and something that isn't in that list, there's also the option of, um, I think, maybe running a YouTube channel on 3D printing. And, you know, as we know, many people do YouTube things and there's various ways of making money on YouTube, aren't there, Ben? 
That's right. Yeah, you can make a channel for that. And uh, I don't know how saturated that market is, but I'm sure there's uh, people are always looking for clear videos on how to do something. Yeah. Uh, and 3D printing could be that one for you. Um, yeah, so that transitions well into uh, ways to make money on YouTube. So this uh, depends on what kind of videos you do and, and a lot of different things, but there's more than uh, maybe just the options you would think. Um, so we can talk about some of these. So the first one is uh, the basics of advertising through YouTube's partner program. So this is what you probably think of uh, when you think of, excuse me, when you think of making money on YouTube. Uh, so this would be that you sign up for the YouTube partner program and then there are ads on your videos so that when someone watches your video, you get some money and then YouTube gets some money. Um, there are some requirements for this. Uh, you can't just start it. If your channel's brand new, you need to have some uh, some clout first, I, I suppose, some subscribers and the like. Um, and then you get money from the uh, videos that are watched. Now, this is not a sure thing. Obviously, uh, people have to watch your videos and you don't get a ton of money per view. And there's not really a formula to show you how much money you earn per view or anything like that. So um, obviously, you know, if you have a, a video that goes super popular, you might make some money off of that, but it's uh, it really depends. So it's kind of a, an overtime thing for your video collections to continue earning. Okay. Oh, if that makes sense. Uh, next would be product placement. So this isn't super, super common, but product placement would be, um, you know, you know how this is obviously in a movie or a TV show. If there's, you know, a Sony pictures movie, you might have somebody playing a PlayStation on a Sony TV or, you know, a Pepsi vending machine in a, in a show, that kind of thing. Um, Product placement would be on YouTube, um, something you obviously can't really do until you have a following because companies won't want to advertise with you if, it, if nobody knows who you are. But um, product placement would be that you add something into an existing video. So the example I give in a related article to this is that years ago, Rhett and Link, uh, the comedy duo, did a, a song called Get Off the Phone, like Don't Text and Drive. And in the video, there is a specific type of car uh, that was a... Uh, product placement deal with that company. So they were already going to make the video and the video stands alone without that product placement, but a company paid money for that car to be in the, in the scene because they mm -hmm. knew a lot of people would see it. So that's one example. Um, a more general version of this that is accessible to smaller YouTubers is sponsorships or sponsored videos. Um, so I'm sure you've seen this if you've watched YouTube at all. A, a sponsored oh, yeah. video is just when someone says, hey, this video is sponsored by whatever VPN. Usually there's a small snippet in the video where they tell you about it. There's a code so that if you sign up with their code, they make some money, you, you get a discount, that kind of thing. Um, that's a sponsorship that's super common. A sponsored video would be when the entire video that you do is for a company. So sometimes you'll see this with gaming YouTubers where they do a five minute video about some new mobile game or whatever, where the whole video is the focus of the sponsorship. Um, yeah. So it's still their opinions, but they, you know, they're working with the company to get it uh, in front of their viewers. So this is a hard line to walk because you have to appear genuine. Like a lot of the yeah. companies that promote on YouTube are very scammy or just questionable. It's difficult so to it's do, tough. isn't it? I hear it. I'll, yeah. I've seen on YouTube channels and podcasts and also on audio podcasts. You've got, some, and they'll have a conversation. The two guys, like I might say to you, "Hey, do you know what, Ben? I've been really suffering with my um with with my eyesight lately." And you might come back with me, "Well, have you tried the uh, garlic eye drops?" And I was, <laughs> "No, I haven't. What do they do?" And you'd say to them, "Well, they help you see in French or something. You know, something stupid. Um, yeah, right. You know, but they they always seem very forced, don't they? So it's uh, it, especially if they're absolutely nothing to do with with the show that you're watching. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're watching, you know, like a political commentary channel, and then they're advertising like 
eye cream or something. It's kind of out there, bizarre. Yeah. And like I said, you have to watch too because I don't, we don't have to get into this, but one of the brands you might be familiar with is Established Titles that was advertising on YouTube. That was a big thing in the past like six months where a lot of companies were advertising for them. But when you looked into their claims, it was very flimsy. Have you heard yeah. about them? Um, I've, I'm aware that this happens. I can't think of any yeah. specifics at the moment, but yeah. Yeah, okay, we'll skip over that for now because I don't want to get too lost in the weeds, sure. but it is interesting. <laughs> if you're curious, there's there's videos about established titles. Uh, Scott Schaefer, I believe, is a YouTuber who did some videos about this if you're interested in how, how, how some of these companies can be a little bit uh, on the less legitimate end. Take a look at his videos. Um, moving on to more uh, legitimate methods, um, affiliate links is another one. So you're probably familiar with affiliate links. You've definitely seen them if you've browsed any website online. These are just simply that um, there's a custom link for you. And when you share that with your uh, viewers on YouTube, when they click the link and they make a purchase, you make a little bit of money. So for example, if you're a photography channel and you recommend X camera or X lenses or whatever, if you add an affiliate link to Amazon or whatever other website, if somebody clicks that they, and they make a purchase, then you're getting a share of that. Um, they're a good passive source of income. So most people, if they're going to buy something, especially if you recommended it, like they're fine to use your affiliate link because you know they're going to buy it anyway. So why not give a little bit of income to the person that showed them that it sure. was a good idea? Obviously, with with a lot of these things, as we've talked about, they're very pervasive on YouTube. So VPNs, Audible, that kind of stuff, Squarespace, everybody's sponsored by them. So there's probably very few people who are looking to sign up for these services that haven't already known about them. But, you know, whatever you can get when you're starting out is is, uh, is fine. Definitely. Uh, another option is fan funding or channel subscriptions. These are kind of lumped together. So fan funding would be if you use a service like Patreon or Subscribestar is another option. Um, this is where you, it's kind of like an ongoing Kickstarter. So instead of it being like one project where you fund it and it's over, uh, Patreon is, uh, if you pay me, there's different tiers. So if you pay me $3 a month, you get early access to videos. If you pay me $5 a month, there's a bonus video for patrons, that kind of thing. Um, this basically lets your most loyal fans directly reward you. And it's nice because it's it's more consistent income. You can look and see, okay, I have 10 patrons at $5 a month or whatever. Um, and it's more consistent income than uh, YouTube's ad revenue can be, like we talked about. Um, YouTube also offers channel memberships, which are basically a built-in way to do this now. It's like Twitch subscriptions we talked about earlier. Someone pays $5 a month to join your channel. They get a few rewards like emotes they can use on your channel in exchange for supporting you. So um, you can also ask directly for donations. Um, some people might want to do that. If they see your PayPal link in the, in the description, they might throw you a few dollars if they appreciated your video. Yeah, some of those things do have a bit of a uh, time overhead, though, don't they? So it's probably a good idea to spend a bit of time just getting get to grips with the services, whether it's Patreon or subscribe or whatever, and then deciding what it is you want to give away for that increased uh, level of uh, subscription and then decide how much extra time it's actually going to take in, whether it's worth it. Yeah, and you have to, with, with all of these things too, especially the Patreon and, and related options, it's good to definitely put some thought into it because you, you want to make it feel like people are getting something that's worth their while for supporting you. Yeah. Some people are happy to support you and they don't care what they get in return, but some people they'll subscribe because they want the early videos or they want like the commentary video where you talk over one of your past videos and share more to people about it. Um, so definitely think about what's right for your audience and your type of videos that you make for that. So it's not just uh, kind of phoned in. Um, another option is selling merchandise. So you've probably seen this same thing with a lot of your favorite YouTubers. This is where you can set up a shop like Spreadshop. There's a lot of different options um, that are 
are already set up for you to sell mugs, shirts, hats, that kind of thing, t-shirts. Um, and then you just put your own designs on them. Uh, maybe, maybe it's an inside joke from your channel. Maybe it's art that you drew. Maybe it's your channel logo, whatever. And then anybody that's a fan of you can purchase that merchandise to have on their wall or wear or whatever. Um, this is especially good if you know if you have a lot of art branding for your channel. This is a good way to get that out there. And then the last point, kind of general, we talked about it earlier, just branching out to other services. So if you're earning well on YouTube um, and you're you're kind of seeing success there, not a bad idea to work about uh, work work on earning from a few other platforms. Um, so we talked about earlier, if you're doing well on YouTube, consider maybe streaming on Twitch. Um, maybe sign up for Instagram if you don't already use it to share bite-sized clips of your videos there or different tips with people. And then if they see uh, having more eyes available to see you on Instagram or wherever else will lead more people to your YouTube channel and then you'll be able to make more money from that. So yeah, those are some of the ways, like, like we said, it varies based on your channel style and how big you are on YouTube and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of ways to uh, diversify the money you make on YouTube. Uh yeah, absolutely. We've um, had a look at this as well on a, a previous occasion that I'll make use of. And uh, in terms of how much money you could actually make from a YouTube channel, you could potentially make $5,000 per month. But to do that, you would need around a million subscribers. So it's a very good idea to uh, look into other avenues for generating income around YouTube if that is the direction you wanted to go in and to build up that audience through those other those other methods as well they'll all contribute eventually and you know you might do well enough to be someone like the kid from ryan's world ryan kaji or logan paul or pewdiepie or any of those people but you know you need to build the subscribers before you can do that and that's not going to happen overnight and it's going to take a lot of work <laughs> Now, I think a lot of the attraction of making money online is that it appears to be uh, low effort for high returns, and that is almost never the case. In fact, I'm going to even drop the almost. That is never the case. There are various uh, ways that you can be caught out with this by thinking that it's easy, and it really isn't. So um, we've got a list of some... Uh, dodgy things that you might accidentally get involved in and because they you know they shine a, a big light of make money here and it really is pretty sketchy so um we'll go through them number one paid freelancing platforms and gigs um it might seem like a good idea to sign up to freelancing sites and to be honest with you, you know, people have made money with them, but even, you know, even the most experienced writers struggle to uh, get gigs through freelancing sites. And, you know, I'm one of them. I've, I mean, I gave up with them about five or six years ago. Um, up to that point, I probably had about five or six gigs over the course of 10 years. And that's that's pushing it. And that's not even all through one site. Um, and just... just uh, just as a little aside here, because we did talk about um, writing earlier, freelancing earlier. My first freelancing, my first paid freelancing gig was making up descriptions of cigar of Eastern European cigarettes. That sounds thrilling. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, 
this is going back to sort of pre-2010, probably about 2007, eight sort of time, maybe earlier. But, I, do you know, I got th- I got to about, I'd, somehow I'd managed to make 50 completely distinct descriptions of cigarettes. And, you wow, know, I'd, okay. I'd stopped smoking about three years before, so I was finding this very difficult as well. Um, I had to do 250, I think, in the end. And that is the sort of gig that you're likely to get from a freelancing site. So... Yeah, maybe avoid that. Um, drop shipping. This is a term that goes back to the early days of the internet. This idea really? that yeah, I, don't, I really don't think I, I ever heard this oh, term until God, the last yeah. year or two. Really? Probably because um, it's just by my ignorance. But yeah, so basically, um, it's something that took off through eBay originally, and it's the idea that you don't have any stock. You order stock to sell. To, you, you basically you sell stock that you don't have. And then you order it from a drop shipper who will then send it to the person who's bought it off you. And obviously, you are going to be selling it to them for more than you're ordering it from the drop shipper so that you make a bit of a profit. But for it to work, I mean, you need to be, you need to be thinking in kind of shop quantities, so even supermarket or hypermarket quantities. You need to sell a lot of these on a reasonable markup because. People who shop around, they will find people selling it cheaper. So it's it's a lot of hard, intensive online work, and very rarely does it work out. Um, paid surveys, yeah, I mean, you could all you could average about one to five dollars a day if you're lucky. Uh, I mean, I've, I'm a big fan of Google Opinion Rewards, but that's basically yeah. because you can just walk a lot. You can you can be stood at you know, the bus stop or walking along. And just like answer a question and get twenty cents, thirty p, whatever, and it just adds on to your your account, and you can use it to buy apps and games or or videos or whatever on Google Play. It's not a living; it's just a handy sort of like nice, easy side gig, I suppose. Um, this paid surveys you can't live off paid surveys; it's really not worth it. And some of them, I mean, like fifty cents to to one dollars for a fifteen to thirty minute survey. That's for yeah, the total. That's, that's not per minute. Yeah, it's insane. I remember in college, I, I'm with you on Google Opinion Rewards. I think that one's solid, and it's all—they're just simple too. It's usually like a two-minute survey about, yeah. "Hey, I went to this store and it was a good deal," or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's one that I used in college that I can't even remember what the name of it was, but I remember they actually sent you a gift card when you when you I think it was five dollars or twenty dollars or something. The first one I first hit it, they sent you a gift card physically the first time, and after that it was all digital. And I I remember earning. I actually did get one. And I was mm-hmm. in college, so I'm like, hey, if I just spend a few minutes here or there. Um, I use one called SurveyMonkey Rewards now that I occasionally do, but it pops up and says, this survey will pay you X dollars or cents, and it will take X minutes. So some, if it's like you know 50 cents for a minute survey, I'll do that. But yeah. I mean, it, it, and you can keep your balance in there and then cash it out to an Amazon card or whatever, but it's something I do when I have two minutes to kill. It's not, you're right, it's, I mean, you're not going to be making enough money to you know be buying nice electronics every month because you're making hundreds from surveys yeah absolutely okay number four okay look this is really simple you are not going to make money trading cryptocurrency or investing cryptocurrency okay that's it let's move on number five become an instacart shopper uh i i wasn't aware of this um so basically uh you can i don't really understand it to be honest yeah i'm 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 familiar with it because my okay i'm 
slightly familiar with it because my friend has done this. Um, yeah, basically, it's sort of like you're doing Uber Eats, except you're doing it with people's grocery shopping. So this is where y- you say, okay, I need someone to go to this supermarket and buy 10 things. And it's, I, I'm, I believe it's all right. the apps. So you just like, I want this, I, I want this cereal. I want this lettuce. I want this milk, whatever. Um, and I think you can watch, you don't not watch them like through a camera, but you can watch like as they add things, I think they like grab it off the shelf, they scan it. And then you see like, Hey, your Instacart person has just put cornflakes right. in the cart or whatever. And okay. then they bring it to you and drop it off. So it's basically, you're just basically paying someone to grocery shop for you. Um, which, as the article says, you know, it's it's a lot longer to go to a store and grab all the groceries versus just picking up food at McDonald's or whatever. So, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. We we have something similar in the UK, which, uh, which is built into Amazon. So, um, the the they're both, it's it's a lot easier than that. Although I am I am aware that Uber Eats does food uh, deliveries from supermarkets now. Um, so. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, Uber. Uber seems to just be expanding to cover everything. I mean, yeah, you can get you know a pet delivered from that. Not actually, <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, number six. I refer you back to my previous uh, answer uh, concerning cryptocurrency. Uh, forex trading. I mean, you know, foreign exchange markets are deregulated, so there's the potential there to make money, uh, but it's not particularly likely. You know investments they go up and they go down it can be lucrative it's probably not going to be basically um you know daily fluctuations it's i mean at the very best reasonably speaking it's going to bring you as much money as the the, the current interest rate i guess really. yeah that's the thing you might as well just open one of those exactly. high you yield might interest well just accounts open a and put your money in yeah. a, yep, a long exactly. a, 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 a high yield account exactly. as, as with all kinds of trading including crypto if you don't know what you're doing you're setting yourself up to lose money basically. totally and airbnb rental arbitrage is where you rent a property and then rent it out i beg, beg your pardon you lease a property and then you sublease it on airbnb which oh, i mean it gets you into the game it's not really something i would be happy even considering or if i knew someone that was doing that i'd be seriously warning against them because you mean you take a sublease agreement with a landlord who maybe isn't interested in getting involved in airbnb and if it um if it fails then you've got an issue with your credit rating straight away um that's just one of the risks there's various people's been oversimplifying this and people on youtube and podcasts even a few youtube ads i've seen you know explain how easy this is to do and you know, every, everything, you know, these, these people in these adverts, you know, everything is easy. You know, the one about the Audible books thing where you can make, make hundreds of dollars a month just by reading Audible books and selling them on Audible. I have not heard that. Oh, that yeah. totally yeah. fishy. Yeah. I mean, you can, um, for start off, recording them is a bit of an issue if you don't have a decent voice. Um, secondly, uh, if you don't have decent recording equipment. And thirdly, uh, who wants to hear a story read by the bloke who you've never heard of when, I don't know, uh, David Tennant or Patrick Stewart are reading the same story? Which right. one are you going to go for? 
yeah, a lot of these, I, I, I sent you when we were talking about this beforehand, I sent you some of those clowns on Twitter who do the same thing where like the remote closing where it's like, you can make $10,000 a month by just setting up appointments for companies. Like, you know, they always have like the Twitter thread with like the one sentence, you know, the very like, yeah, you might not be making this money, but you can. Here are yeah, eight yeah. tips with the, like the point that like, it's everything I hate about these Twitter jokers. But yeah, like I have this perfect option that's going to make you, you know, put you in the top 5% of earners in the United States and no one knows about it. I'm just sharing it for free with you on Twitter. Like it's, it's so easy. You don't have to do anything. Like it's, it's, they're telling on themselves by just what they're saying with all yeah. this stuff. It's so yeah. easy. It's so easy. Yeah. That's, if it's that easy, everybody would just be sitting at home doing it all day. Exactly. And um, I suppose to the end of this and everything we've discussed in this podcast, as ever, you'll find in the show notes. And you know, if you, if, making money online is something that you're interested in doing then i really recommend you read these articles properly and take the time to weigh up the options and the pros and the cons and the scams now mlms multi-level marketing aren't illegal and they aren't necessarily scams they're not illegal pyramid marketing because they have a slightly different structure however i have never come across a multi-level marketing program uh that I've looked at and read the details and thought, yeah, that's not what it says it is, really. Um, I was involved with one about 25 years ago, my word. And it, what was it doing? It was some sort of plastic box thing. I can't remember what it was called. Like, door to door knocking, do you want to buy some plastic boxes? Essentially, you know, you put a catalogue through people's doors and then you come back and hopefully they had an order for a plastic box. Um, and even now it sounds stupid. Um, but, you know, people wanted to buy plastic boxes in those days. Or, actually, no, they didn't. Um, and, you know, over the years, there have been very, there've been many. The Avon is probably the most famous one worldwide, or certainly across yep. the West. Um, there's a few others. Um, the body shop. Amway is big here. Amway is a very, very popular, like very popular in the sense that like probably everybody knows someone who's sold right. it or has been asked to sell it. Okay. I think body shop or lush, one of those brands has one as well. Um, you know, the, 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 the deal is you give someone a catalog, they order out of it and then you make a bit of a commission off it. But very few people make money based on the effort that they're putting into it. There's always someone higher up who's making more money than you because they're also getting a commission from your commission. And you, know, you can see what's going on here. Uh, so, uh, you know, there are MLMs online now. Uh, as a personal recommendation, I would suggest, uh, unless you've got some special entrance into the company that's going to pop you up a lot higher up than the uh, grunt on the street with the catalogue, uh, avoid, basically. Uh, which, yeah, this is yeah. definitely if if you're hearing about it, it's it's already too late to make money. Basically, yeah. There's a stat in this article which I knew before I saw it here, but the FTC in the U.S. found that 99 percent of people that join an MLM lose money. So you are statistically extremely likely to not even break even or make a little bit of money, but just wow. lose money. So just stay away. Whenever you get that friend that's calling you and hey, I have an opportunity, it just it just don't even bother um we can include this in the show notes maybe the uh the youtube channel kit boga that i think we've talked about before who does the scam baiting videos where he you know wastes uh phone scammers time he did a video about mlms and he goes into a lot of detail about several reasons more reasons why they're mostly a sham and why you shouldn't watch them so i can send that to you to include in the show notes if anybody's interested excellent 
so hopefully we've uh, given you a good impression of the opportunities for making money online. Now, now of course, we've, we've only really scratched the surface of both opportunities and things that you should be very suspicious about. But um, I, I do think that we've given you the right flavour there and that whatever area you're interested in, you'll explain, you, you will explore it, I beg your pardon, further and maybe contextualise it with what we've discussed and make your decision based on on that there are opportunities i've been working um mostly through uh, websites and you know a few magazines but mostly websites and uh fr- from since the mid 2000s and earning my you know earning enough to live on without a, without a 95 job since 2010 so it okay. is possible it can be done um it's basically using the knowledge that you have, finding the right outlet for it, finding out whether people are interested in paying for that information, that knowledge, your experience, your insights, and whether or not it's writing, whether or not it's broadcasting or webcasting, whether it's an artistic avenue, whatever. There are opportunities there, and as the world moves more online, um, obviously there are going to be, but it's all a case of making sure you make the right decisions, looking in the right places, and not falling victim to scams uh you've been listening to the really useful podcast with myself christian carley and with ben stegner we're both from makeuseof.com everything that we've discussed will be found in the show notes and of course uh you can uh, subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. you can listen to us on spotify uh amazon podcast we're pretty much everywhere you'll find podcasts and if you want to get in touch with us uh we're uh, on twitter via the show notes until next time it's goodbye from us 